We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Spinning is Sabonis. Oh, Miles Turner bringing that smoke. Warren lets it fly. Yes! TJ Warren is not human! Pacer Nation, what is going on? It is your boy Mike Focci here for a Focci Friday. And the Pacers are coming off of a 116-106 win over the Charlotte Hornets, a team that we will see again uh, tonight when you're actually listening to this. So... The Pacers, winners in Charlotte. We saw a Domas Sabonis triple-double. Didn't even know if the man was going to play. And he still comes out the gates with 22-11-10 on 9 of 10 shooting. I don't know who needs to cut their nails in Charlotte, but someone absolutely fouled him, scratched him on the arm, made him bleed. Uh, Someone cut your nails in Charlotte. But at at the end of the day, this was a Pacers team that, Handled business against Charlotte. Malcolm Brogdon, once again, phenomenal. 25 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. But the big story outside of the triple-double from Domas, McBuckets himself, 28 points off the bench, but only 3 of the 28 came from 3. I mean, great game by Dougie. Absolutely loved what I saw. The backdoor cuts the Pacers had going on last night were truly ridiculous. So, Quiet game out of Jeremy Lamb, moved him in the starting lineup. I hope for a, 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 you know me, I love a good old-fashioned cold dish of revenge in a revenge game. Didn't quite get that last night from Jeremy Lamb, but I do hope that uh, we see that on Friday. But regardless, just happy to have him back. So, Patriots will see that Charlotte team again on Friday. I think it'll probably be a little bit of a closer matchup because the Pacers did a great job defending 
Gordon Hayward, a man who wanted to be a Pacer, but it just didn't work out. And in the end, we're happy with what we got in uh, keeping Miles Turner and Doug McDermott, maybe even a first-round pick. I don't know. The Celtics were asking for a lot. So, and then Hayward ends up going over to, to Charlotte. But we're going to be joined by two awesome guests. We have Jabari Ali Davis from Dunks and Discourse, um, and as well as Spencer Percy, uh, co-host of the BuzzBeat pod. So he covers uh, the Charlotte Hornets, Jabari, covering everything NBA, big Lakers fan, two great guests for you. I'm going to get out of the way, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are joined by Spencer Percy, co-host of the BuzzBeat pod. You can find them on Twitter at BuzzBeatPod. Uh, Spencer, what's going on today? Uh, not too much, man. Uh, yeah, just it, it's been raining here all week in North Carolina. So the sun finally came out today. So finally was able to get outside, get a little, uh, get a little UV rays and get some fresh air. So and just shaking off that Hornets loss to the Pacers last night. I was about to say when you said raining, you know, it was a little bit of a little bit of McBuckets, a little bit of Savonis last night. So there was some uh, some jumpers raining in. But uh, also, I'm sorry to hear about the weather. But hey, you know, talking about the game. Love the home court. I got, I got to throw that out there. The Hornets have one of the coolest courts out there. Um, if, you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the Hornets court, definitely check it out. But last night, the Pacers uh, escaped Charlotte with a win, 116-106. to 106. Um, The Hornets are a team I really didn't know what to expect out of them. You started out kind of hot earlier in the year. They've kind of cooled off a little bit, but still a hard-fought game. One that uh, was pretty much neck and neck until like the last, I'd say like maybe seven minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, you know it was it was a game of runs for sure. Indiana jumped out quickly, um, and, and you know you mentioned a little bit of McBuckets a minute ago. It was more like McLayups last exactly. night. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I had tweeted last night like Charlotte just escorting uh, McDermott and Justin Holiday to the rim, uh, you know, a lot and. Yeah, Swiss cheese recently with the Hornets' defense. I mean, it's pretty pathetic with their ability to – lack of ability, rather, to, to keep the ball in front. And, you know, McDermott, especially after this, those after-time plays, setting up the backdoor stuff. I mean, how many times do you have to see this on film or in person, Terry Rozier guarding him? Um, pretty frustrating. But, look, Indiana's good. I mean, it's a good, uh, well-rounded, I think deeper than some might realize, team. Um and Sabonis just changes everything for them. You know, I, I mentioned it uh, the other day uh, talking about, you know, kind of previewing this series and he, he is such a skilled player. I mean, he's not at the level of a Nikola Jokic, but he's the same kind of idea in just terms of like offensive engine, you play through him. He can bully and back down a player you know, to the basket and get his own. And obviously he can, like I said, be an offensive engine. You play through him from the nail area, from even uh, the top of the arc. And, you know, like Doug McDermott's a perfect example. I mean, he, yes, he's a great shooter. That's what he's known for in the league. But last night we saw how smart of a cutter he is and how he never stops moving and how a guy like Sabonis really makes a Doug McDermott, you know, really pulls out all the value possible uh, for, from a guy like McDermott who can play off the ball like that. So Indiana's a better team right now. Um, I love Malcolm Brogdon, too. You know, I'm a big UVA Hoops fan, married into a, into a UVA Hoops family. And that guy is – you're not going to keep him from his spots. So let's put it that way. He's tough. No, he, he very much is. And, you know, whew, yeah, you said, said a lot of great things there. 
Pretty crazy how McDermott, you know, McBuckets himself, 28 points, three shy of a career high, yet only one basket was a three-pointer from him that he made. Really, all those backdoor cuts did all the damage that you mentioned. Sabonis, just the perfect guy to find him. The comparison to Jokic, it's it's a very common comparison. Feels like Jokic light, you know, like he's he's in that same realm as like one of the, the best big, you know, best passing big men in the league, but... You know, for sure, Jokic, you got to give the nod there. That that man is an MVP candidate this year. So I love what I'm seeing out of Sabonis. I mean, what were you thinking when he's questionable? You don't even know if he's going to suit up with the left knee contusion, and then he ends up having a triple-double on 9 of 10 shooting, where you're just like, oh, come on. Like, why couldn't you have taken tonight off and then played on Friday? That's that's certainly what I was hoping and kind of anticipating, you know, when um, when the MRI came back clean. I thought, well, I mean, you know, they're, they're running it two games uh, with the Hornets in three days. They'll probably keep him out Wednesday just to give him maximum time to heal. But, you know, I don't know a lot about Demonis Sabonis in terms of like off the court, but everything you read, uh, everyone I talk to, you know, ask about him. He's he is he's the guy you would want to kind of be the, the face of your team, I guess. Um, he wants to play at all times and. That's what it sounded like happened yesterday. He went out there, he tested the knee, he said, I'm fine, I'm playing. And you don't keep those guys, you know, those kind of guys off the court. So, you know, if you're Indiana, why not ride him? I'm sure there are some, some folks <laughs> uh, on the team, uh, running the team, that were probably encouraging him just to take it easy. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like that's the kind of guy he is. I mean, no. so if Indiana can keep him healthy, uh, I mean, I, you know, this is definitely a team to me that is built – I think they have a move left in them. Um, and obviously, I mean, there's probably some uncertainty about when Karis LeVert can return too. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is a team that can that can make the Eastern Conference Finals. I know that sounds crazy as, as deep as the East is this year, but he, he changes the DNA of what you can be on both ends of the floor, especially offensively, so, so much. Um, you know, when I watched the Pacers in the bubble last year in that heat again, in that series against Miami, I walked away from that series – thinking, man, they missed a bonus, no question about it. But also, you know, where, where does Indiana go from this? You know, mm-hmm. because they just looked so overmatched, so depleted, so um, lacking any kind of offensive creation. Um, and he just changes all that overnight, uh, which, which speaks value or speaks volumes, you know, to how valuable he is to this team. No, and that's completely true. I mean, in that Heat series, I mean, people also forget, you know, there's no Jeremy Lamb in that series. You know, Victor Oladipo, unfortunately, was a shell of himself. The Pacers were overmatched there. Nate McMillan's offense, it was just very stagnant, outdated. You know, the Pacers bringing in Nate Bjorkren was basically their offseason move. And I really think he's – all the players have bought into him. They're, they're, they're very, you know, energetic this year. They're running a lot. They're, they're playing more minutes. I mean, when you're talking about keeping Sabonis – Healthy. I mean, this is a guy who earlier in the week before he, you know, bumped knees with Kyle Lowry, he was second in the league in minutes per game. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon right now, I believe, is fourth. So, I mean, they're, they're playing a lot of minutes, those two. But this is a Pacers team that they haven't fully been able to get the full squad together. So right. there's a lot of optimism that when you bring back a healthy T.J. Warren, when you roll in Karis LeVert, that what is, you know, the ceiling of this team? And I agree with you. An Eastern Conference Finals appearance, I don't think that should be ridiculously out of the question. You know, hey, as a Pacer fan, we want to just get out of the first round. But there's a lot of talent on this team. They're young. They're all signed together. I mean, I'm very excited with what I'm seeing. But 
when we're talking about like last night, I mean, last night the Pacers had 34 assisted baskets. You know, it was, it was, I believe a season high, uh, just something where they they were doing a lot of, a lot of the right things. I mean, you come out out the gate strong with a first quarter, you know, that was, I saw the Pacers were up, I think it was 36 to 19. Then all of a sudden, like you mentioned, a game of runs, the Charlotte Hornets come back, you know, in the second quarter, they outscore the Pacers by a, a great deal. And at halftime, Pacers are up by four. You don't know which way it's going to go. Then the Pacers close it out with a stronger fourth quarter. Now, when you're looking at this Hornets team over here, I think from the outside looking in, we're wondering, when is LaMelo Ball going to start? What has been your perception? Can you take us through LaMelo Ball's rookie year so far? Sure. And, and real quickly, I just want to jump back just to, to compliment um, Coach Bjorken. Is I think he's brought really more than anything else than he's done. And you mentioned the minutes, which is an important factor here. But he has brought this offensive scheme into the 21st century. Yes, he has. I like, I like Nate McMillan, you know, but he was a little bit like Steve Clifford had with the, with the Hornets. He's just an old school offense, walking up the floor, not, mm-hmm. not play with a ton of pace. I mean, Indiana's taken only shots at the rim, almost. Only shots at the rim and, and only threes, and, yep. and that's what it takes to win in the league. So, but to answer your question uh, about Lamelo, um, <laughs> transcendent passer. I mean, I said yes. it over and over again when people ask me about him. We kind of knew that um, before the draft. I mean, that was that was the skill that everyone knew would translate almost immediately. I don't know if I expected it to be this um, transcendent this early. But, man, he is a dangerous player in transition, finding his teammates and, and bending defenses in those leverage situations. And, you know, in the half court, he's, he's helped Charlotte too. Um, he's, he's becoming more aggressive getting to the rim, which is not something we saw a lot of early in the season. He was so eager to pass. Uh, he was getting that ball out a lot earlier. But, you know, he's getting to the rim a little bit more. He started out shooting the ball pretty hot, uh, which was a big surprise for everybody. And he has uh, regressed pretty seriously since then um, to the tune of he's probably around 31, 32%, I would say, from behind the arc now. Um, you know, you kind of you preface the question kind of around when is he going to start? And I don't know that that's coming anytime soon, to be completely honest with you. And I don't disagree with that if that is the decision either you know you you, you've got Terry Rozier who at this point is a veteran in the league you're getting Mm -hmm. close and Devontae Graham who a lot of people think including myself should have been most improved player in the league I said it on our last episode I could not believe he didn't get enough credit for that because and not even to cut you off but from where he came from to being you know from being a second round pick putting up under five points per game to then putting up over 18 points per game. I think he should have gotten more respect than Brandon Ingram, who was the number two overall pick and a far more established guy in this league. Yeah. Yeah. I no, I agree. I mean, it's like, what, what's the most improved player? Is it a player that actually improved the most from the season before, or is it a player that was pretty good scratching the surface to, okay, we, we kind of broke through. And that's what Brandon Ingram was. He wasn't the most improved player in the league, but no. anyways, I digress. Um, you know, so with what Devontae did last year and really what Terry did last year, too, I think he surprised a lot of folks, uh, even nationally, but how he shot the ball in Charlotte and what he brought to this offense. Um, those two guys have earned it. All right. And as good as LaMelo is as promising. Let me let me say that. Yeah. Promising of a prospect as LaMelo is. He hasn't earned anything. Right. So and James Borrego is not the kind of coach who's going to hand the keys to the car to a 19 year old kid 
just because he's easy to slap on a billboard because his last name is Ball um, and he makes highlight plays. That's, that is not how he's going to build this culture in Charlotte, and it's exactly why they hired him. So, you know, I, I think it's the right thing for LaMelo to come off the bench uh, and earn his keep, which it should be for any rookie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's worked for Charlotte, too. I mean, he does add a flair to that second unit. He, had, he adds a change of pace. He gets the Hornets in transition. LaMelo and Miles Bridges have been a really nice duo off the bench so far this season. So early, it's working. I, I think this is the way it should be, even though Devontae Graham is struggling to start the season. Everyone understands that. Um, I'm, I'm really not sure that you're going to see LaMelo ball in, in the starting lineup uh, too soon. And, and again, I, I think I laid out all the reasons why I think that's totally fine. Bring him along slowly. Make him earn it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's just what you have to do as a rookie because both those guys, I mean, Graham has really come into his own. And, and Terry Rozier is having a good year. He is. I mean, the last two years have obviously been the best years of his career. He's he's having a career year this year. So you're not going to take him out of the starting lineup. But uh, one guy last night that every Pacers fan had their eye on, even the defense, was Gordon Hayward. Now, Gordon Hayward, there was obviously those heavy rumors to Indiana. It seemed like it was mutual on both sides. Ends up signing with Charlotte, one of the few teams that had the actual cap room to bring him in. Uh, you end up working out a sign and trade with Boston. Um, but you bring in Gordon Hayward. He had been red hot lately. Pacers did a good job kind of uh, taking him off of his game a bit, I would say. You know, 6 of 14 shooting. Clearly, he could have gotten more shots up. But that third quarter goes scoreless. Um, ends up finishing the game with 16 points. Now, how what has been your perception of Gordon Hayward on this team? Because he's having a career year this year. I think he's surpassed probably expectations. I know the price tag was a bit scary at first, but you gotta kind of love the play you're seeing from Gordon, right? Oh god, yeah. I mean, no question. I think that uh if the all-star break was tomorrow, he he's on that team for the Eastern Conference, you know. So he has far exceeded expectations. Um you know, not sure he'll ever live up to four years, $120 million, but that's a different conversation exactly. for a different day. I mean, the Hornets are happy with early returns. He, you know, what Gordon really does for players like Terry Rozier, we've already seen this, and even for LaMelo Ball, I mean, you know, Gord, you can run your offense through Gordon in, in situations where maybe uh, – well, two kinds of situations. When when you don't feel like you have a lot of offensive flow and you need a bucket, there's a guy who can go get you one. Or – you know, you can get him the ball at the nail, and he's going to find an open teammate. I mean, he's he's so malleable. He's so unselfish. Um, and, and number two, and we've seen this really until last night. Last night was his worst game in a few weeks. Um, you know, the Hornets do. They play through him when he gets going, and his physicality is really what has surprised me the most. Um, I always knew he was a pretty physical player, but he's lost that athleticism, you know, that he had certainly back in Utah, you know, before the Boston days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he was a guy who was kind of playing above the rim really there for a few years. And so he's lost that. But what he's what he's gained is a really physical nature as an offensive wing, uh, offensive player. And he's getting to his spots almost at will this season. I really thought that Indiana was going to be a pretty good matchup for him um, because they you know, they don't really have that guy that you would think matches up well with him. I think what we learned last night, what Indiana does have, is they have a lot of different bodies they can throw at. Yes. You know, they have Brogdon, they have Lamb. It, it, was, it was good timing for Lamb to come back, you know, probably for this series. Um, you know, in, in a tight spot, I guess you could you could throw a, a Justin Holiday at him. So I, it's kind of by committee, and that, that seemed to work last night. But, 
you know, Gordon has been – he's been awesome for Charlotte this, this year. The last thing I would mention is his outside shooting has exceeded expectations too. So Definitely. I, w- I haven't seen anything from Gordon's game that I would say this isn't sustainable, right? It's just like he's he has a – his usage is much higher now than it was in Boston. He's getting to the foul line a little bit more. You know, he's, he's getting to his spots in that mid-range to the rim, making the outside shots like – this is kind of the Gordon Hayward we knew before Boston. It's just so much injury, bad luck with the Celtics. I, I just think, you know, out of sight, out of mind, a lot of people wrote him off, and he's proving that he's still in his prime a little bit here. Oh, no, very much. I mean, I, I think that the Hornets made a move that if you, if you want to look at it this way, next year is a year that a lot of teams have a lot of money to spend, and there's some good free agents this was the Hornets' opportunity to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond, and I, I think they went for it. Now, their exactly. move to stretch Batum's like $27-plus plus million dollars, do you stand by that? It's going to be a $9 million hit each of the next three years. Was it a move that just had to be done? No, nah, I mean, th- that's the part that's really hard to swallow, right? Um, you know, they, my, my whole case was, you know, if you knew you were going to go after Gordon Hayward <clears> – <throat> You know, if, if you strategize well before free agency and this was one of your plans, then what would have gone, what, have, what would have run parallel with that plan is to get off Batum's contract somehow, right? If you got to hand over a Malik Monk or, you know, n- name your other asset to make that happen, so be it, you know, but, but to keep him on the books for $9 million, $9 million cap hit per season over the next three, I mean, the Hornets are still going to have plenty of cap space moving forward. So it's not, you know, it's not a killer like it would be for a team that, you know, is going to hard cap themselves or, you know, they have no cap room or they're limiting their ability to, you know, use some mid-level exception. That That's not exactly where the Hornets are going to be. But what it really, where it really hurts them, it eats into that cap space over the next three years just enough to probably make it more difficult uh, for them to be like a dumping ground, right? Like yeah. if they end up, getting a top five pick and being terrible again this year, which is totally possible. Like they just went from having about 30 ish, 35 million in cap space with no Batum this coming summer to around 20 ish. And that's a big deal, right? Because if you're not going to be a player in free agency, you want to at least be able to use that to rent out that cap space. And now that becomes a little bit more difficult. So that, you know, that's something to monitor what it all tells me, you know, Saying all that, what it tells me that the Hayward decision was a little bit last second. Uh, the Hornets probably didn't think they were going to have a real shot. And then when they got on the phone with Hayward and realized they did have a real shot, they said, well, nobody can offer you more. And this is what we got to do if you're going to come. And he said, yeah, I'm going to come. So um, not not real surprised that <laughs> it was a little bit of a last second thing, knowing the history of this franchise when it comes to free agents. <laughs> yeah, man, honestly, that Batum contract was making me sick for years because I just felt like you paid him so much money that you wondered just why couldn't you get more? I understand there was injuries here and there, but it seems all of a sudden now he's contributing pretty, pretty decently for the Clippers, and that's just got to – kind of rub you a little bit wrong but you know hey it's it's a business in the end they they, they got him out of there but unfortunately he, he still remains with you on the books for you know next few years but you know moving into the game yesterday and into Friday's game you know one player that we've talked a little bit about Malcolm Brogdon I feel like Brogdon right now has finally put it all together he's healthy he's playing great he's coming off of a 25 point game against the Hornets um last night and this guy, I, I hope 
that he's going to get the all-star consideration he deserves. I think it's going to have to come in through the coaches voting. But if you're looking at this Pacers team, do you think there could be two all-stars in Sabonis and Brogdon? Or is that more of, hey, they're going to have to have like a top two record in the East for that? Yeah, I mean, you know, with the Pacers, you kind of think they're one of those teams where they need to be top two, top Mm -hmm. three in the East, you know, to pull that off. But but Brogdon's having – he's having an an awesome year, super efficient, you know, shooting the ball. Um, So I I think he deserves it. I mean, my opinion, uh, he really deserves it. You know, he's he's one of those guys, too, like Gordon Hayward. You know, they have different games, but he's so malleable. Right. Like you can ask him to play so many different roles and he's going to number one, he's going to do it willingly. Number two, he's most likely he's going to do it efficiently. And so it's been really nice to see Sabonis come back. Turner kind of remain uh, in the lineup. I mean, those two, have, by the way, have been awesome together mm-hmm. this year. And, and Brogdon just melts right into the role and he, and he just does uh, what he needs to do to help the team win. And from I mean, I knew this about Malcolm Brogdon when he was in Virginia. Those teams were awesome. If Justin Anderson wouldn't have gotten hurt, I still contend they would have won the national championship earlier in this decade. Um, but whatever. Yeah, they ended up getting day. one. But they got one later on. That's right. But yep. uh, he, he is a winning player. So, you know what? If I'm a Pacers fan, I'm like, I almost like Malcolm Brogdon not getting the recognition he deserves because I can tell you right now that's exactly what fuels that guy. And, uh, and he's, he, he's a winning player at his purest form. Uh, love him. He's one of my favorite players in the league. And you, you can just count on He's going to bring it every single night on both ends. So Pacers got something special there. Don't let that guy get away. Oh, no way, man. We really do. And he is a coach's dream. I mean, the relationship he's built with Nate Bjorkren already in just a few months has been unbelievable. I mean, Brogdon was coming off of a game the other night, uh, Sunday night, where he was 5 of 22 shooting against the Raptors. Easily his worst game as a Pacer, you know, definitely the season was so annoyed by it that he was on the phone with Bjorkren, just talking basketball nonstop. Said that they feel they they have the exact brain when it comes to basketball. They they obsess over it, and he ends up coming out, scores a career high thirty six points. I mean, this is a guy who he's a leader on and off the court. He's doing all the right things. I mean, this Pacers team is benefiting so much by his presence on and off the court. So I would love to see him in the All-Star game. I think that Sabonis is probably going to be the guy that gets the nod, but Brogdon is every bit deserving. It it just feels like the media, you're always going to, whether it's through the fan vote or whatever, they're still probably going to side with like a Kyrie Irving where, you know, you really feel like he shouldn't be an All-Star at this point just because the time he's missed and that stuff, but such a good player, such a, a more of a household name that I wouldn't be surprised someone like, Kyrie Irving gets that spot, you know, it's Kyrie. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I really hope that's not the case because some of these small market teams have some really good players. And the Pacers, having not had one nationally televised game yet, I, I just wow. think they don't get the respect that they deserve in that standpoint. Oh, no question. I totally agree with you. And I, I want to add one more thing about Brogdon. I think he's, you know, I hope LaVert can get back as soon as possible. I mean, I know everyone in Indiana does, but he, Brogdon is like, absolutely perfect for a guy like Karis LeVert, who we all know is very talented, who has shown signs of being a high usage guard, who can go, you know, be a bucket getter, number one. We know he can do that. Uh, Can he run an offense from the first possession to the last uh, of an NBA game for a good team? Well, we we don't quite know that yet. I think Malcolm Brogdon is the absolute perfect fit next to him. So maybe when he does come back, 
Malcolm can take a little bit of a step back from a u- usage perspective, but I think Karis can learn a lot about what it takes to win, you know, for those points I was just making about Malcolm. So that, that to me was, it was an interesting trade, I think for Indiana, but if you know, you're not getting, if you know, Oladipo is leaving this summer, uh, what better way to go ahead and replace him with it, with a, you know, not quite as young as people think and a guy like Karis, Silver, but really smart trade for them. And I love the backcourt duo of him and, and Brogdon. I love it. I'm so excited about it. You're getting a guy who's younger than Oladipo. Uh, I get it, obviously. Look, that injury that, you know, you don't want to call it an injury, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the kidney mass that he just had um, took everybody by by surprise. I mean, we did not expect that. Clearly the Pacers did their due diligence, looked into it, and their doctors obviously felt that, hey, He'll have some surgery. He'll be all right. It'll take some time, but, you know, he'll be able to make a full recovery. Very happy that he had successful surgery. So I think we can maybe expect to see Levert maybe around, you know, maybe April, late March. I'm no doctor, but that just feels like a a potential timetable for that. And even if he doesn't suit up, the Pacers are getting a very good player here signed to a very reasonable contract, right? About $17 million per year. They got two second-round picks and cash with Levert. And, look, all signs pointed to Oladipo was going to walk. There was talks that he turned down a $25 million contract you know, per year. So at least the Pacers did what they could to try and sign him. But, you know, we couldn't be left out in the cold uh, at the end of the day. Love the move. Cannot wait to have Levert in the lineup. Um, and as we're looking over to Friday's matchup over here, now this time the Hornets come to Indiana. Now, what would have to go differently for the Hornets to leave Indiana with a win? Uh, the defense has got to be better to me. Um, I mean, this is back-to-back games for the Hornets' defense uh, against an Orlando team that um, probably being polite when I'm saying not a very good offensive team. <laughs> yep. Um, who who lit them up, and then you know Indiana scores. You know, 1.21 points per possession last night. I mean, like, again, I mean, this is Charlotte defense right now, Swiss cheese. And, you know, they've been playing more zone defense than any team in the league uh, this year. And, and a lot of that was due to, well, two reasons. You got very two small guards, you know, leading your backcourt, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham. Neither, I think you would say, is, is even a, a, an average uh, backcourt defender. And then Cody Zeller being out for extended time and Bismack Biombo having to play those minutes. It's probably the other reason they've been playing a lot of zone, but they're going to start to incorporate more man-to-man now that Zeller is back in the starting lineup. So that that's going to be a transition uh, for them considering how much zone they've been playing, but they've got to find a way to keep the ball in front. And you saw it last night, whether it be, you know, off ball baseline cuts, we saw that over and over and over again with McDermott, Brogdon just putting his head down and getting to the rim. I mean, you know, Aaron Holiday, like it's just it's just too easy right now. Uh, how easily the ball is getting to the rim and the amount of corner threes and outside shots that the Hornets are giving up because the ball lives in the paint against them. So that to me has got to be the number one thing that changes. Uh, the offense has struggled outside of Gordon Hayward, so they're still trying to get Devontae going, trying to get you know Terry Rozier's had some nice games. Consistency has come and gone. Um, so, you know, it, but it's going to be a struggle, I think, every night for the Charlotte team offensively. Um, defensively, they, they got to play with a little bit more effort and want to because they're getting bullied right now. So that, those are a few things that I would circle uh, if you want to have a chance to, to beat Indiana. Yeah, I mean, I, that's definitely all true. Uh, you know, you can't, can't be winning the NBA with Swiss cheese defense because these teams are really just putting up 
some big time numbers this year. But, you know, when you're looking at this Hornets team, I feel like Gordon Hayward is someone who's going to give you more than 16 points uh, if he's playing the same 40 amount of minutes that he played uh, the other night. So I do expect Hayward to step it up. Um, the Hornets bench, I think you're going to need a little bit more out of there. And I, I do think LaMelo Ball had a quiet game. I mean, I know he's a rookie. He's going to have those games. So I do think that LaMelo could kind of have a, a bigger performance over there. But overall, I mean, you know, the, the Hornets didn't turn the ball over much, 11 turnovers. You know, they, they got to the free throw line, basically double the amount as the Pacers. So I do think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I don't think you're going to get 28 points out of uh, McDermott. You know, that's that's uh, not the regular. So we kind of used up that really good performance. But Jeremy Lamb, someone that the Pacers moved back into the starting lineup. I wonder if that had anything to do with it being against the Hornets. Maybe like a little bit of a, hey, you know, get to start against your old team. But Lamb is someone that before this game, in his, his previous four games, he had been playing really well. I mean, his numbers on the season are still really good, but it's only five games. So I would like, I would really look for Jeremy Lamb to have a, a bounce back performance. He was coming off of a 22 point game, you know, kind of sandwiched 22 point games every other game. So I, I think that Jeremy Lamb, someone that you got to keep your eye on over there. And, uh, you know, Sabonis, I mean, the, the minutes, he's coming off of that left knee contusion, still plays 37 minutes. I mean, really doesn't skip a beat. Brogdon with 37, so that uh, 37 minutes. So those are two guys that you really don't want to continuously be playing around 40 minutes because eventually something's going to happen. But I think that this is going to be a hard-fought game in Indiana. If the Pacers can, you know, win this series, you know, two nothing, I think that that would be great in this stretch right over here. But what's been your thoughts on the back-to-back against conference opponents so far? Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. Um, it, I mean, I think it would be pretty cool as a player and a coach because, you know, you just make adjustments right there, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you watch the film, you just played these guys, you know, your matchup now, you know, their tendencies, you know what they're trying to do. Um, let's go out, let's pivot and, and let's, let's make a change and let's go get it. You know, and then I think if you're the Pacers, uh, you you saw the success that, that you just had against this team, certainly playing through Sabonis. Um, you know the Hornets are going to make some adjustments in that area. I think they're going to probably back off Indiana a little bit. You know, they were in the passing lanes a lot, led, led to a lot of open layups at the rim. Um, probably makes a bonus prove it uh, from behind the arc, which he did last night and from that mid-range. I mean, but, you know, if you, you crowd that guy and you try to get into the passing lanes – you know, Indiana, is a they, they just got a lot of smart basketball players on this team. They're a high IQ team. They're going to make you pay. So that would be the adjustment, you know, I would expect Charlotte to make. But I, I just think it's cool, these back-to-backs, because it's adjustments like right it. there. And, and I think, too, that it, it probably bears out some, some coaching variants, right? Like, uh, I, I think that we saw Orlando make some adjustments against Charlotte uh, the other night to come back and beat them in the second game. Um, so I think it's a good test for coaches, see if they can make the adjustments necessary to, to get a win in that second one if you lost the first. And it's specifically for maybe rookie head coaches like Indiana has uh, and young head coaches like, like James Borrego is with the Hornets. Yeah, no, I, I love it because I do feel like, just like you mentioned, the, be, the ability to make those adjustments in just like a one- to two-day span and really see it pay off, I feel like that's where you, you see great you know, the difference between good coaches and great coaches. The Pacers just went through that, you know, against Toronto. I mean, a team that Nate Bjorker knows very well coming from Toronto. 
They beat us on Sunday, 107-102. Well, they played the very next day, and that was a far different outcome. Pacers won 129-114. to So I thought we saw a lot of adjustments there, and uh, I liked what I saw. So as we're wrapping up over here, you know, you mentioned you really don't know where you're going to see this Hornets team finish. Where do you think they finish? You know, if you had a guess, are they picking again in the top five? Or is this, hey, you know, the back end of the East right now, it's pretty wide open. I mean, the Knicks right now have the eighth seed, and they're right around the same record as you guys. Yeah, so I, I don't think Charlotte is a – I'm still – I don't know I'm real solid on this answer. I, I don't think they're even top ten in the East. I, don't, I think they'll probably just miss that playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't have enough offensive talent. I mean, this is a team – especially if Devontae Graham is, is going to struggle. Um, so I, I think they just, they just miss it. You know, Cleveland looks – they're going to struggle offensively, but that defense is legit. You I'm know, tipping so my hat to them. They, they yeah, yeah, that defense nine and nine right now. Yeah, they got some parts, and, and they've got some they got some moves they can make at the trade trade deadline too. So, I mean, I think they're gonna end up being probably a top eight defense, if not a top five. So that probably gets them into the playoffs. Certainly in the playing game. You mentioned New York. You know, they look pretty good. I think Toronto will be fine. I think Miami will figure it out. They got to get healthy. So you consider all these factors and, and, and the Hornets are starting to be a little bit more of who they are. And you got to think that, I don't know, they'll be one of the, the five worst teams in the league, probably more in that six, seven, eight range. But, um, you know, it, that's fine for Charlotte. You know, they're, they're still young. Uh, everyone knew that this wasn't going to be the year. Uh, this is an awesome draft. So if the Hornets could find a way back into a top five pick, I, honestly, you could argue – that's the best case scenario over even getting into the play-in game. Although, look, I think what they're trying to do, win, I'll end on this, winning is the right thing to do for Charlotte right now. You see some fans saying, yeah, we're not ready yet. LaMelo's young. Let's lose as many games as possible. You know, we, we've completely lost sight in this league in terms of fans, uh, of, of what it means to be a, a successful franchise. Like, if you're trying to put together a product that people are going to be interested in watching and going to games to um, – you just can't constantly lose. I mean, that narrative just drives me crazy. I could not, you know, agree with that even more because there's so many teams that it's like, well, when is going to be the year? Because it's not, it's never just going to fall in your lap where, okay, now, you know what, this is the year we're going to try. No, you have to go out there and build the confidence because losing gets to players. There's certain players, they shut down. I mean, they, losing affects people. I mean, you look, look what's happened with Bradley Beal right now. That guy's dying. I mean, it's at the point where yeah. you could see it on his face to the point where, you know, eventually it'll it'll affect you big time. And I, I just think for these young players that you got there, you know, the P.J. Washingtons, the LaMelo Balls and all that, those guys want to experience winning. And, and I, I think that, you know, you could see that in Cleveland a little bit. Like Colin Sexton's a guy who I think the losing the last, you know, couple seasons has really – kind of fueled him to get better and better and better. And look where they're at now. You know, uh, like I said before, uh, I'm impressed by Cleveland. I hope that they don't just buy out Andre Drummond and, you know, send him over to the Nets because it seems like that's been rumored. I hope the rich don't get richer like that because I I would like to see – it would mean a lot for a team like Cleveland to even get the eighth seed and just make the playoffs, something that they haven't done since, you know, LeBron left. So for those young teams, you know, the play-in game, I I think that gives you a lot – a great experience that – that these guys can build on. So that's right. Yeah. Last, yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. yeah. The losing becomes part of your cultural. Exactly. Battle, you know? So anyways, yeah, I agree. 
Last point. Uh, can I get a prediction from you for Friday's game, Pacers versus Hornets? What do you got? Yeah, I guess I'll try to be optimistic here. I don't feel great about it, but I'll pick the Hornets to, okay. to make the adjustments necessary and and show up. You know, it's it's been a rough rough go here the last six or seven games for Charlotte, and you know with Cody Zeller back in the lineup, he looked um, good. Yeah, yeah, I thought he looked good. I mean, he he's gonna he's going to help this team. They're going to be better with him out there. But like I said, they're going to change the defensive game a little bit, and that's going to take some time to go together. So or come together. So, I, you know, I like Zeller to bounce back, be a little bit better uh, and more resistance against the bonus. Like I said, make some defensive adjustments, back off these guys a little bit, make them prove it from the outside. Uh, and, you know, if Charlotte can scratch out a little bit of a above-average offensive game, I think they can find a way in this one. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I respect it. I'm going to go 111-107 Pacers. I think it's a very close game. Maybe some free throws at the end of the game decide it. But uh, I think that Charlotte will make some adjustments I don't – like I said, I don't expect Doug McDermott to have 28 points uh, again. That just is not going to happen. I don't think you know Sabonis is going to have another triple-double, but I think it's enough to squeak out a win in Indiana. But, Spencer, I want to thank you for your time over here. Uh, tell everybody where we can find you on uh, social media. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at QCH Spencer. Um, and, again, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, yeah, my, my Hornets coverage really – um, you know, is based around BuzzBeat Podcast. So check us out at BuzzBeat Pod on Twitter. Thank you very much, sir. Happy to come on anytime you need me and uh, hope for a good game tomorrow. Thanks a lot, Spencer. Good luck. Thanks. We are now joined by Jabari Davis. Uh, Jabari, what is going on today? Not much. I, you know, I appreciate you having me on again. Of course. Reoccurring guest, Jabari. Always love to have you on. Um, now, Jabari, since we last spoke, man, I don't remember how long it's been. It was definitely pre-COVID, so a lot has happened. But, you know, your Lakers, uh, they've won the NBA championship since then, right? They did that. They did. So, you know, it feels so crazy because, I mean, you're going through the bubble, a short break, you're back. But, hey, Lakers still holding it down. But to start with my Indiana Pacers and what our listeners care about most, hey, we're sitting in the three seed right now. And, Jabari, tell me this. Would you even really know it if you're not a diehard NBA fan? Because zero nationally televised games, it's a crime. People are missing this Pacers team. They're playing really well. I'm going to be honest with you. This is one of those few times where I'm, I'm, I'm being sincere when I say I feel for Pacers fans because you're right. This is a it's a fun team. Uh, you know, they, they're playing incredibly well. They're in the third spot. Nobody talks about them. Even on my show, I'm guilty of it. You know, when we, when we discuss the leaders, you know, leaders in the conference, we skip right over them. And there's really no reason for it because they're a fun team. And so I, I, I apologize for the disrespect, not just for you know, on our behalf, but you know, for everybody, because you're right. It, it, it really doesn't really it doesn't make a great deal of sense why nobody is even even talking about them. Hey, it's, it's true. I get it. You know, if I was collecting apologies from everybody, I'd be running out of time, you know. But, hey, this, these Pacers team, they, they deserve more nationally televised games because right now they're 11-7. and seven. Sure, that record's not going to blow anyone, you know, out of the water. You're not going to call your mother about it and, and tell her what's going on. But at the same point, think about this. T.J. Warren, the man who lit up the bubble, has barely even played this year. Then you traded Victor Oladipo for Karis LeVert, a move that we're all very excited for. But LeVert hasn't played yet for the Pacers, just had successful surgery to remove, you know, a cancerous mass on his kidney. I'm very thankful the Pacers were able to, the doctors were able to, you know, find that out, 
get him taken care of. He won't need any further treatment. We hope to see him on the court in the next few months, but they've been able to weather the storm thus far. And I feel like this is a team right now that for those of you that haven't seen the Pacers or just the, the, the NBA community in general, DeMontis Sabonis right now playing really good basketball. You got Malcolm Brogdon playing really good basketball and Miles Turner playing really good basketball. I mean, these are three guys that, you know, they're, they're not going to crack your list of, of players to really rave about, but Sabonis right now, before his injury, Jabari, he opens up the seat of oh, his injury was just a left knee contusion, not a big deal at all, but you know, he only got to play a few minutes on, uh, on Sun on Monday. But this was the guy who opened up the season with 16 straight double-doubles. I know Jokic did it, but other than that, I think it was Will Will Chamberlain and maybe Oscar Robertson. I mean, this guy Sabonis, he is a lot of fun to watch right now. He's incredibly fun, and to be honest with you, it's it's getting to the point where it's going it's actually a disservice to the coverage of the game if his name isn't mentioned when we're discussing the you know like the the, the really good bigs in the league right now especially the, you know, in the eastern conference you know like if 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 uh you know if Embiid is going to be mentioned and Bam is going to be mentioned it's also time to start mentioning some bonus yeah and and I'm glad to hear to be honest with you I hadn't heard the update I'm glad to hear it was just a contusion and hopefully yep. that's you know, that's not something that lingers but you're right you know yeah look from the outside looking in, I was one of those individuals, and I'm sure there were plenty of, of even Pacers fans thinking this. I was one of those individuals that thought, okay, eventually they're going to have to make a decision at the, you know, with mm-hmm. their big men. Either they're going to have to pick Sabonis or pick Turner. Personally, I'm glad that I was wrong, and I'm glad that they haven't, because switching the focus to Turner, it's great that he, you know, not only has he embraced that role, but you, you've got a defensive player of the year candidate right here. Oh, my but, God. I think we do. You, you said you don't think? You, you no, don't I know. Think I, I said, oh, my God, I think we do. I didn't want to cut you off, but it's just one of those where if you're just going to listen to the media, they're not even really bringing his name up there. The popular pick is always the, the Rudy Gobert's, the Anthony Davis. But right now, this man is head and shoulders above everybody else from a block standpoint. And and Jabari, while I, I got to take this one moment to just throw out this stat, I love me some stats, but – Miles Turner right now, since 1982, only three NBA players have had 62 blocks and 21 steals in their first 15 games. Jabari, outside of Miles, it's Hakeem Olajuwon and David Robinson. You got to love that company. That, I was going to say that's pretty pretty darn good company. I'm, I almost used some profanity. My apologies. <laughs> um, no, it's pretty darn good company. You know, it, it, look, he's blocking at a rate that, you know, I haven't seen with regularity, what, maybe since like young Ibaka? Yeah, you know, yeah. Love that comparison it, it, right there. It's it's in the, it's in that range, you know. So as a shot blocker, as a guy that can obviously can continue, you know, to uh, you know to, to spread the court and, and extend you know, extend the offense, you know, he he he's it's great to see that he, you know, like like I said, not only is he fitting in it, but it, he's truly embracing that role, and it, it's just great to see. It, it really is. He's he's made that like his calling card is I want to be the defensive player of the year, and like not everybody. Jabari, you know this. Not everybody can be the MVP. Not everybody can even be the all-star. But if you want to go all in on your role, then you could be the very best at that specific thing. And rim protecting has been his calling card. And I I love to also see something that he's done this year is he's silenced the haters. I know that's like a popular phrase, but he used to just really beat himself up about what people were saying on social media and this, this, and that. He's tuned that out this year, and there's just something different about him. It doesn't show up in the box score, but you could see it. He's more aggressive this year. He's more confident, and, and it's just it's 
carrying over into his play on the court. So I've loved what I've seen out of Miles Turner. I hope that he gets the defensive recognition because, to be honest, I know Pacers fans are, are saying, we have three All-Stars. We do, but it's just not how it works out. I mean, if you have the, the best record of the NBA, then maybe, you know, you, and you're a contending team, maybe you could get three All-Stars. We saw that in the past, with like the Detroit Pistons of the early 2000s. And, and, you know, even that random Atlanta Hawks team that had like four All-Stars on it, you know, a few years back. I mean, it, it happens, but it's not common, especially being a small market team. But love what I've seen out of Sabonis. But right now, a guy that is going to be on the cusp. Now, All-Star voting, it just started now, Jabari, one guy who I feel like is not going to get the fan vote, but I hope gets the coach's vote, is Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is having a career year this year. He's put it all together. He's even one of the leaders in minutes per game. I mean, he's averaging career highs in points at just over, you know, just basically 23 points per game, 46% shooting, 41% from three. He's giving you the seven assists per game. He's a perfect on-the-court leader. He is everything you could ask for in terms of a, a point guard-coach relationship. But he lacks the big name. Jabbar, when you're looking at All-Stars, do you think he's going to be a snub, or is he doing enough? I do think so, and and you're right. It, it is awfully tough to get three All-Stars. And, and of course, you know, at you know, the examples that you mentioned earlier, you know, it has happened, but it, it's pretty rare, especially for a smaller market team that, let's face it, doesn't get nearly the national attention that, you know, that they should get. Uh, I honestly think that, you know, if in fact they do, you know, obviously they are going through, you know, going through with this elections. And if in fact they do play, I think you're going to end up with, uh, you know, Sabonis if he's healthy and Brogdon is going to be that other guy. Uh, look, I look. I, I won't say I was wrong, but I just simply did not see this type of game when he came into the league. I thought he could be a good floor general. In fact, I had the honestly, I had the thought of like a Derek Fisher type player. But he is much, you know, he, you know, he has you know, obviously progressed and advanced, you know, well beyond that, you know, that type of player. Uh, I do think that he has earned an All Star nod this year. I really hope so. And you know, to to talk about how he has progressed. I mean, Jabari, when he won Rookie of the Year, I thought it was like, ah, no offense to Brogdon, I thought it was like the ugliest Rookie of the Year winning situation. Because if you remember, that was the year where Embiid played like 32 games and everybody mm -hmm. felt like you couldn't give him Rookie of the Year. And it's just Brogdon as a second-round pick. You're like, you know, really no one that year was even averaging like 10 points per game or double, you know, double figures. But Brogdon's come a long way. I absolutely love how the Pacers were able to go out and get him in a sign and trade. And I do think that Milwaukee, when they elected to pay Eric Bledsoe over Brogdon, I do think they kind of regret that a little bit because uh, Brogdon was a really good piece, but hey, obviously they make a trade for Drew Holiday. Might've cost him a little bit of an arm and a leg, but we'll see how that all works out long-term. But I, I really would love to see Brogdon get in there. It it's, I think that he's deserving, but you also have guys like, I mean, if we run through some names real quickly, Zach Levine's having a really good year. I know that, that the Bulls' record isn't up to par, but the man averaging 27 points per game, shooting 50% from the field. You got your Kyrie Irvings. You know, Kyrie Irving, I felt like I hated the fact that he stepped away from the team for so long, wasn't given any answers, but it's Kyrie Irving. He has the name fair, the fanfare. Bradley Beal's averaging 34.5 points per game, but obviously he's only the worst team in the league. There's, there's your Trey Youngs. I mean, there's a lot of talent out of that name that the group of guys that I named, is there anyone that you feel like mm, he's probably not going to make it? Or is it just like, ah, it's going to be tough for Brogdon with those guys there? 
It is going to be tough for Brogdon, but I think you actually hit it on the head, you know, with your lead into that question. It's not going to be, you know, the, the fan vote. Like, you know, no disrespect. Yep. Uh, you know, I love Pacers Nation. Y'all, y'all the dopest, you know, as dope as can be. Uh, but there's just not enough. You know what I mean? And 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 specifically because there are not enough, you know, uh, nationally televised games, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the world, unless you've got lead pass or unless you specifically are paying attention, you're just not going to, you're, you're not going to appreciate all of the different things that he brings to the table. But you know who does, who specifically appreciates those? things the coach and i and that's the reason why i think he makes it i i I think he gets placed on by the coaches i i think so and i do think that coaches notice this stuff i mean they they really do the fan vote i mean it's gotten a little bit ridiculous if you remember you know just last year it seemed like taco fall had a decent shot to start in the all-star game and no offense to taco love him but it would have Sort of been a slap in the face to the NBA. Um, it, it absolutely would have. Just like when, what's a, uh, a big man from the Warriors from back in the day that ended up. Uh, uh, Zaza. They right. oh. Zaza. Yep. Cool, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it, same deal. Like when he made the team, he was like, what are we doing here, guys? But, you know, then again, I stopped myself and I, I try to stop myself from being the old guy in the room, stopping fans from having fun because at the end of the day, it's their right to vote for the guy. It just, you know, it, it just looks a little bit silly in the light. It does. And, you know, as we're moving like around the league, because obviously, you know, the Pacers, we mentioned a little bit that they were involved in that that mega trade for James Harden where they landed Karis LeVert. But another team that came out, you know, on top of there, or, you know, we assume the Brooklyn Nets, they add James Harden. Now we have a true big three on that Nets team. It's been a little bit mixed results. I mean, in the beginning, they lose two straight games to, to the Cavs, but they put up big numbers. But then ever since then, they've won three straight games. Uh, Jabari, tell me, what are we looking at with this team? I'm hearing rumblings that if Andre Drummond's bought out, they might bring him in like a rich get richer type of thing, which I don't want to see. Is this Nets team, are they expected to be the team to come out of the East? Or do you think, I don't know, we got to wait and see with this one. Honestly, I, I'm a wait and see person, and mm-hmm. it, I'm not trying to poo poo them because obviously you have that much offensive talent on a team; they, they're going to do some damage. So, like in the regular season, as long as everybody can get along, they're fine. They, you know, I, I think they'll be okay. But my main concern is their depth, and not just because of in a series, but because of the ex the the little bit of extra that it places on all of those guys mm-hmm. over the course of the season. So, but by the time I mean, and think think about what we've seen from Harden over the course of his career. While yes, you know, while yes, it's clearly not going to be you know quite the same you know, uh, you know uh, usage, you know, obviously when you're when you're playing with two other great players, but if you're still playing forty minutes a night or you know upwards of thirty eight, you know, the, you know the forty minutes a night, that's going to get to you. That's going to wear you down. So my concern for them is you know it is them simply being so top heavy that they wear themselves down just enough to when they get into a series they're not they're they're not quite at their best. I I'm not I'm not you you know me. I don't wish injury upon anybody. Mm-hmm. I hate injuries. They are a part of the game, but I hate them. I'm just saying, I look at, you know, we, we can look at the, you look at the past and look at the history of the, you know, of these situations and kind of tell. Now, if they're all healthy and, and at least somewhat rested going into the postseason, well, of course, look, you've got, look, you've got you know, potentially two top, two top 25 guys by the time it's all said and done. And another guy that's very, very good. Yep. And you know, Kyrie fans will be, will take that as a, as disrespect. It's not, it's just a fact. Yeah, it is. No, it is. I mean, Kyrie, very good player, but come on. I mean, he's not in that, you know, he's not on that level of a Kevin Durant. And James Harden, obviously, has put up a ton of scoring titles, more than we could even keep track of and everything. But at the end of the day, if you don't win, the scoring titles mean nothing. Clearly, he's at a point in his career now where, you know, he's willing to – 
you know, take a little bit of, a, not to say a backseat, but I don't think that he wants all that pressure because he realized that it wasn't going to work out in Houston. Playing next to a guy like Kevin Durant, that's got to make your nights a little bit more fun. What have you seen from Kevin Durant this year? Because Jabari, I could have never in my life, and I don't think anybody could have, thought that Kevin Durant would return and be this good. He's still Kevin Durant. Like, oh, my and, God. And I, like, honestly, that's really as simple as that. He's still KD. I Look, I hoped for it, and I was like, in my heart of hearts, I was like, hey, look, if he's 85% of KD, he's still going to be real nice. Like, that's still oh, incredible. Yeah. He's, I don't want to be hyperbolic and say he's exactly the same, but he's pretty darn close. You know oh what I mean? God. He he's is. pretty darn close. He's still incredible. He's, you know, he can still, you know, he can still shoot over anybody. You know, he can still defend the rim. He's still, a, he's still a great weak side defender, gets into the passing lane and you know, all of those things. Uh, you know, he can, he can still put 40 on your head at, at a given time. So yeah, as, as far as, as far as what I can see, he's still that guy. I mean, I thought, yeah, Durant, he's Durant. He, he'll probably give you 25, you know, maybe the shooting percentage is, a little bit lower than the past, maybe like 47%. Now, this guy's averaging 30 and a half points per game on nearly 52% shooting. I mean, from three, 44 and a half percent. Oh my God. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has better numbers now coming off of an Achilles tear than he had as an MVP in 2014. So uh, he surpassed all my expectations. And the, the, the crazy thing is that you heard that the Knicks, the bottom feeders of the NBA, where, where, where they didn't want to give him the max because he would be out a year. And you look at Brooklyn that said, gladly, we'll do it. And, do the, oh, my God. Do, do the Knicks remember – okay, you know what? I promised myself that I was going to be nicer to the Knicks fans. I've tried. I've tried. I'm from New York, born and raised, lived there over 20 years, but I, I, I cannot be nice anymore. It's been wild <laughs> what's been going over there for 20-plus years. The, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll say this for Knicks fans: at least your team is fun. At, le- at least, at least, at least you finally have something to it's, you know pump your chest out a little bit about. I'm not you're not going anywhere, but at least you're not you're, you're not a cellar dweller anymore. Now let me get back to the organization. Come on, Knicks. Come on, oh don't, don't, don't 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 be silly. That you know what that is, and I'm going I'm going to you know make sure that I say this appropriately. It's that guy that you go out in the group, right? And you're back when we could actually do such things. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, safely, you go out in the group. He's over here at, at you, know, you know, looking at somebody at the end of the bar, the wherever, right? Saying like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go over there." He goes over there, he strikes out. Hey, it happens. But rather than just you know accepting that he struck out and just moving on to the next opportunity, he says, "Oh well, you know, I didn't like her. She was this or he was that or you know whomever you know whatever your, your, the, the interest is." Mm-hmm. That's what the Knicks sound like, right? You know, right there, sour grapes. It, it really did. It sounded like the guy being like, "Yeah, well, her nose was too big for me anyway." You know, yeah. it's like it's like, "Oh come on." You know, it's like, look, it, they, they tried to really make it seem like, well, we weren't really interested in Kevin Durant. I don't know. It's like, it just, if they had a real shot to sign Kevin Durant, they should have. But, you know, to, to the rest of the Eastern Conference, Jabari, we're looking at the Heat and the Raptors, two teams, their mainstays in the playoffs. But this year, they just, I don't know, slow starts. Heat, 6-11, and 11, Raptors, 7-11. and 11. Do you think both teams bounce back, or is this more like I'm confident in the Heat, but Toronto, I don't know about this year. I'm confident exactly that. I'm confident in the Heat, and I think Toronto should be sellers. See, this is the thing. Last year, I respected that run. I didn't anticipate it, so I, you know, I. 
when they, when they made that run, I had to give them the, give them the credit that they deserve. I said that they should have been sellers last year. Now here's the reality. They should have been, this is not just me circling back. And you know, now I, you know, I said it then I, you know, the Raptors fans got all over my case, you know, saying, Oh, you just don't know. Wait till next year. OG's going to take the next step. And he's a very good player. I, I'm, I'm happy to see him continuing to develop, you know, but, they, but they, they were talking big in, in my mentions. And the reality is this, they probably should have been sellers trying to load up. I respect why they weren't because they thought there was a chance that, you know, uh, that, you know, a, a certain Greek freak might, you know, might've been available. That certain, you know, that, that didn't, you know, uh, that didn't materialize. And now they're kind of sitting there, you know, in no man's land. It's it, look, if you, if you tell me 20 games from now, they're still hovering just, you know, just beneath, uh, you know, uh, 500, then it, then really I would be surprised if they don't, if, if some moves aren't made before the deadline. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I really felt like if they didn't, if they weren't very serious about re-signing Ibaka, I thought that there would have been interest in trading him. I think that they should have Gasol. They held on too long there. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, in the end, they are kind of where they are. They're that that team where hey, they won a championship. They did. You know, so you've you've it's paid off. But Kyle Lowry, you know, the, his better years are behind him. I think you need to find out what you're doing over there. When they elected to re-sign Van Vliet, I thought that was a move of like, Hey, nope, they're gonna still try and compete and go for it. Like, like nothing's happened at all. So for we're gonna that's gonna be a wait and see thing. I feel more confident in Miami. It's just too good of a team. I know they kind of had a magical run, but they're they're much better than a six and eleven record. So Jabari, but moving over to the West, your Lakers, 14 and 5, second best record behind only the Jazz. Now, is this like a is this Lakers team feel better than last year or the same? Because you guys had quite the offseason. I don't know how you did it, but Montres Harrell, you know, consider getting him to agree to that mid-level, you know, exception. I, I thought that was ridiculous. You know, you get Dennis Schroeder. I mean, just great moves all around. Do you think this Lakers team's better than last year? I think they can potentially be, but here's the funny thing. You know how they you, know, you often talk about a team being an 82 game, and you know, this year obviously 72, 82 mm-hmm. versus 16. I think this team, this Lakers team is built is built better for the postseason. I think but so. throughout the but throughout the regular season, you know, there, there may be some ups and downs. Now, look, let, let's be real. If Anthony Davis is healthy, which currently right now reportedly he is not, you know, he's out, he's out. Uh, uh, later on tonight uh, with a quad contusion. Um, and forgive me if I've messed up your <laughs> the timing of your of your podcast if it's not coming out today. <laughs> but no, it, um, uh, but if, if he's healthy and LeBron is healthy going into it, I'm going to be confident. The, the, the pieces around them, I do believe that they fit and they, they've shown that they can. And, uh, you know, but, but really, as, as look, you mentioned earlier you know, a rich getting richer situation. That's what the, you know. That's essentially what this offseason was for them. Anytime you get, like you mentioned, you bring in Trez at the at the rate that they brought him in. You bring in Schro- you know, Schroeder with the deal that they were able to bring him in. You, you know, so so essentially, you added to a to a championship team two six men, you know, two six men of the year you know, uh, you know, uh, competitors. So yeah, it, 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 when we get into a series, if everybody's healthy, I would probably feel I would feel pretty confident betting on the Lakers, even though I'm not a betting man. Yeah, I, I think so also. At the end of the day, you still have LeBron James. He showed exactly who he was in the bubble, you know, in the, in the NBA Finals, the playoff run, all that. He is still the man at the end of the day that wears the crown. Uh, Pacers have uh, been on the wrong end of that just far too many times. So you can keep him in the West as long as you want. I'm more than fine with it. Now, I mentioned the Jazz just before. The Jazz, a team that has just the best record in the league. But another team that I just don't think they get their due. 
I feel like they're they're similar to the Pacers, that a team that's still searching for that NBA championship, but also just consistently a good regular season team that just kind of can't break through between the Jazz and the Nuggets. I mean, Jabari, is this the media controls all of this? Or it's like, what can we do to get these teams a little bit more praise? Because the Nuggets, even themselves, they're coming off of a Western Conference Finals trip. Well, when it comes to the Nuggets, I, I, I actually think the media gives them credit, especially, especially you know, like NBA Twitter and 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 yeah. and, and all of us blog boys. So yeah, like and, and I say it affectionately. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> we certainly give you know we certainly give them you know credit. But you're right, you know the Jazz. It's almost like we look at them and we say like, okay, that's nice, but you know, what are you going to do when you know when you get there? And maybe that you know maybe that's a you know you know maybe we're subconsciously saying they're more of an 82 game you know team than a 16 game team. But look, if they had back, but you know. It was very clear that they they missed Bogdanovich, uh, Bogdanovich excuse me, uh, in the postseason last year. Yeah, if, if he's healthy and everybody is there, let's see. I, I, I I'm guilty because I'm not a believer. Yep. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest with you. I hear you. I'm not a, but hey, look, I've been wrong plenty of times before. And if this year that you know they, they push through and make it to the conference finals or somehow you know represent the Western Conference in the, in the finals, I'm sure Jazz Twitter will remind me of this conversation. Oh, they very much will. They very much will, but we're going to have to wait and see. Now, one guy that I felt like was just being absolutely disrespected coming into the year, and I understand, you know, the the situation around him, but Steph Curry, I felt like everybody slept on the Warriors as this isn't even a playoff team. Right now, I think they're in the sixth or seventh spot in the West. Now, it's going to be tough for Steph to do this, you know, by himself, but, you know, we're – was the media wrong to just kind of sleep on Steph and the Warriors as if they didn't just go to, you know, five straight championships, uh, you know, basically the year before Steph was an healthy last year or Clay? Well, I actually understood some of the hesitation and it is, you know, it, I, I didn't, you know, well, for one, because I, I, I'm i not one of those individuals that thinks negatively about Steph. In fact, I think he's one of the all-time greats already. So do I. And, and, mm-hmm. And definitely will you know go down that way, uh, go go down that way. Uh, but I saw I actually saw some people picking him to be a top four seed, which I was like, okay, that's too much. Yeah, let's pump the brakes on that. But you know, I, I guess. I understand the hesitation because you know, you know, Dre wasn't healthy to start the year. Steph was just coming back, you know, like after so long. Uh, you know, Clay was out. You know, they, they, were, they had a lot of questions about about the roster. So I can see maybe some of the hesitation, but but in terms, of, you know, heading into the year, I looked at them as as a fringe playoff team, and I said Steph's probably going to average thirty to thirty five and mm-hmm. give you a lot of highlight nights, but it's going to be tough because you know, like you know, I I wasn't certain that Wiggins was going to you know to turn into the player that he looks to, that he appears to be turning into. I. You you know, like I liked the prospect of James Wiseman, but I wasn't, I didn't know that he was going to look the way that he's looked. Uh, you know, Ubre's up and down. Last night he had a good night, uh, but he has, a, you know, turns into a pumpkin a lot. Uh, but honestly, I, I do like that team. If Draymond is there, and, and this is this is no slight to Steph because obviously Steph is their best player by far, but Draymond is the, is the, star, is the straw that stirs that drink. If he's there and he's healthy, I, I actually do think, I agree with you, I think they're going to get into the postseason. Oh, very much. And I, I just felt like Steph, you know, not not to say Steph alone is good for the eight seed, but I just felt like, come on, this is a team that's going to be at least in the minimum. And like, I'll play, you know, the, the, the playing game or just, you know, the eight seed, whatever it is. But when you're talking about Draymond Green, I mean, a guy makes, you wouldn't think a guy averaging five points per game could make this much of an impact, but he truly does because there's way more to the game than just points. Um, but as we wrap up, what has been the team that's basically – surprised you the most in a good way and then the team that surprised you the most in a bad way it could be east or western conference 
you know, truth be told, your Pacers might be one of the teams that have surprised me the most. And 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 I say that affectionately. I don't mean to disrespect. It's specifically because I actually think they can compete for a top four seed and will stay in there if they can stay healthy, even without Karras. And as as crazy as that sounds, I you know I, I wish him well and I hope he's able to return this year. But more more than anything else, I just hope he fully you know fully recovers. But I I do. I think you I think you got enough, especially of Warren. He doesn't have he doesn't have to be you know uh, you know MJ you know, bubble MJ. Yep. If he can just be, you know, his normal, you know, 19 to 20 uh, you know, a night, you know, type guy, I think that's enough. For me, in terms of one of the dis- most disappointing teams, I think the Washington Wizards, the fact that you added um, Russell Westbrook over there and all of a sudden they actually have more wins without Westbrook than they do with him, which says a lot when you only have three wins. But it, it's it's just they have not been able to, to get that going Russ, unfortunately, having a rough year. And then you got Bradley Beal, who I feel like looks like a a Ferrari in like a used car dealership surrounded by some scrap metal out there. Like last night, you get Bradley Beal scoring 47 points and and the guys around him, I mean, just really doing nothing. I mean, they lose by 15. I just think that that team, it's, it's rough that they're this bad with a guy averaging near 35 points per game. Yeah, it, it, you know it's funny. I, I, it's not that I didn't want to mention him. I, it's that I, I feel guilty about this when I say Bradley Bill knew the job was dangerous when he took it. He, he did. Knew that he, he knew he was playing for that, you know, playing for that organization and signing on for another two years. Now I, I say that, you know, that that's just what I lead in with. I do also feel for somebody that's putting up the effort that he's putting it up, and they just can't get it right. Sooner or later, I'm wondering. What you know? When when is the ownership there going to say like, okay, what's going on with this coaching situation? What's going on with the general manager? What's going on here? Because like, let's let's be real. They had at one point Bradley Beal, who we all know is an all star all star level player that can has the ability to put up forty seven at a given time. They had John Wall, regardless of whether you know speaking generally, you're his fit. You know, you love his game or not. He was a highly effective player. You know, like and, and, you know, prior to the injuries. So you had those two guys, and you literally never did anything with them. They never even won 50 games together it, it's just it's just ultimately disappointing and and, and really Wizards fans deserve better and they, they do the fact that they also strapped a first round pick to John Wall to send him out to bring in Russell Westbrook makes it even that much worse because I mean that's a team that just I, I just don't think I think this all signs point to they're going to have to trade Bradley Beal so Wherever Beal goes, it feels like an arms race is really starting in the NBA. I mean, I feel like after that James Harden trade, other people are looking for that third star. So it's going to be very interesting. So, you know, a team that's that has surprised me, I would say like the Cleveland Cavaliers being 500 at this point, I would like to at least give them a little bit of credit. Other than that, it's nice to see the Spurs kind of being back, you know, a little bit. You know, they're, they're in playoff position right now. So... Uh, it, it was sad to see their run end. So those are the teams that I thought have been kind of pleasant surprises so far. But uh, Jabari, as we wrap up, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and please promote your show because you guys have a great show. Dunks and Discourse, tell us all about it. Thank you. So, uh, honestly, thank you again for having me. I really do appreciate this. It, it's always fun talking to you, and I hope we, we can't wait a year you know, for the next one. No, we uh, can't. For- 
For me, I'm simple Jabari at Jabari Davis NBA. Um, I'm generally on there, you know, all, you know, much like any everybody else that's on NBA Twitter. I'm on there all the time. I'm always looking for a good conversation. I don't really like the, you know, negative back and forth. But you know, if, if you bring it and, and it's fun and it, or funny, I'll, I'll give you a laugh. Uh, the show is nuts and discourse. Thank you again. It's with my guy Josh Everly. He's also great on Twitter, so I encourage you to follow him. We we talk hoops. We talk, you know, uh, current events and a little bit of of Hollywood. So it's a lot. Of, it's actually a lot of fun love it jabari once again thank you very much and uh like i said you know like you said can't wait another year we'll talk to you soon all right thank you all right everybody we are back i wanted to give a special shout out thanks to uh jabari ali davis and spencer percy our guests for today always great chatting with them uh, all things nba charlotte hornets indiana pacers around the league you name it we got you covered but you can find me on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find my co-host, Alex Golden, on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. You can find our show on Twitter at SettingThePace3 and on Instagram at PacersTalk. I want to thank you very much for tuning in. We got the greatest listeners out there. Couldn't do this show without you. And at the end of the day, guys, come on. I got three words for you. Let's go Pacers.